Hi, welcome to the Vine Church podcast. We've got a great speaker today. Hope you enjoy. Well, it's good to see you today. I've uh, been here for just um, just to fly and visit. Been here for almost a week. Tomorrow is uh, the uh, my last uh, day when I fly out. So I've had a really good time. Uh, came back uh, to Scotland. I was here. I, I figured it out. Thirty-eight years ago, I came to Scotland, and I was a, I was really young. <laughs> Something happened. I don't know what happened, but anyway. And so uh, my wife and I, we raised our ch- all of our children, born in Scotland, of course, and uh, we really felt like the Lord had called us back to America for a time. And uh, the churches that we helped plant were Liberty and the King's Fellowship. And it's a miracle they're still going. I think, all right, they're still going. And uh, because it is a miracle, because every day is a miracle, and every day we need God's life and breath to breathe into our churches. And I would encourage you to lean into that. Because uh, longevity, you know, is really important uh, to be able to reach people. So anyway, primarily what my main function and role in, in life as, as uh, ministry is really to encourage people just to be nice and to be kind. Wouldn't that be great if every Christian in, in Dunfermline was nice and kind for a week? We'd probably change the whole city, wouldn't we? You're awful quiet today. So. But anyway, we really would. But anyway... I'm uh, married to uh, Patty. I've got to show you my grandkids, if that if that'd be okay. There they are. There's my grandkids. And uh, I love the church here. I love the kids running around. The church I work with in, uh, up in Tip City is a family church, and the kids do the exact same thing. They run around. They learn about God. They give just the same way. It's really refreshing. God's saying something about church being family in, uh, in this generation, so it's really good to see. So uh, then uh, there's my wife. And she's up in, uh, we're in Albuquerque. Our children, grandkids uh, uh, were born there, Harper and Murin. And he's spelled with a, the Scottish name, which is M-E-A-D, and then the rest of it, Meathrin. And uh, so I really like uh, having him. And I, we, we put on our Scottish accents, Meathrin, come here. <laughs> and so my, all my kids, they all uh, actually have a Scottish accent, which is really amazing. I think it's really cool. But today I'd just like to talk to you a little bit about, uh, about, about love and this, what love looks like. And also just about who Jesus is. You know, Jesus came to the planet to reveal something. And what he came to do was to reveal the Father's heart to this planet. His prime objective was to reveal the Father. So everything that Jesus did, was, it, his intention was to join the Father's intention for us to reveal the Father to us. Isn't that an amazing mission? And Jesus said this in John 14. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen who? The Father. And so everything that Jesus did, he came with, a, with an intention and, and divine purposes of God upon his life. And I think it's really interesting that God was intentional to come to this planet. In other words, he looked at the planet and he came to the planet with full intentionality to create Adam and Eve, human beings, not human doings, to create human beings fashioned in his likeness. And he had a plan from the very beginning according to his kind intention. And you see, the, the wonderful thing about the Father is that he is good and he is kind. And a lot of times what happens to us when we go through difficulties and things like that, sometimes we don't feel that. We don't feel that he is good, and sometimes we don't feel that he is kind. I've gone through some stuff, and, uh, you know, I've been through some stuff with, with, uh, in my life over the last three years. So it's like, like really, like I, I've never been through the worst time of my life, but that was the worst time of my life. 
the last three years. But in the midst of it all, I, I decided at the very beginning when all the stuff began to happen, and some of it happened because of me, but most of it happened because of not me, but other people that I was associated with. And so what I had to do from the very beginning, because I knew I was going into a season, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be fun. So anyway, jumping into this season, I thought, what can I do to maintain my life and my connection with Father God? How can I lean into Him to always remind myself that He is good? How can I... Uh, recognize that even in the midst of what is going on in my life, that he has an intention, he has a will to fashion something out of me that will give glory to him. And the reason why I pray those things is because the Father is a redeemer. He redeems everything. He redeems everything for a purpose. And sometimes we don't see the redemption purposes of God when we're going through stuff, but God always has an intention to bring us through so that we would be redeemed. We'd have all the stuff that happens in our life, there'd be gold in the midst of the dirt that sometimes comes upon our life. Anybody been there besides me? Anybody been there? So anyway, the only thing I knew to do was to be able to maintain this relationship with the Father was I just decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick up worship. So I'm just going to kick it up. I just got intentional. I said, okay, on Mondays, it's my day off at 9 o'clock. I'm going to go into the auditorium like this. I'm going to grab my guitar and I'm going to worship and see how long I can stay. First day was like 15 minutes, and I said, oh, this is really good. I've started off really well. And then it began to grow, and then I began to do Wednesdays in the afternoon, saying I'm going to go, instead of eat lunch, I'm going to go to the auditorium, I'm going to worship God. Then on Fridays, I had another day off at 9 o'clock, I'm going to go in and worship God. And then on Saturdays, when my wife is home, we're going to go in and worship God. And to be honest, I mean, it, did that sound like being intentional? <laughs> Make it a plan because I knew that God is good and I knew that God is kind. And so because if he is good and he is kind, what I needed to do was intentionally position myself to be in his presence. To intentionally. You know, it didn't happen randomly. Oh, well, I feel like worshiping God. I'll go worship God. And sometimes I would worship God and I'd say, are you bored? (laughs) And other times I'd worship God and I'd lay on the floor. And other times I would just sit in his presence and read. And other times I'd walk and I would pray, but I always come back to worshiping God. And, and God pulled me through that time. And so there's something in the heart of God. There's something in the heart of God that he wants to, to give to all of us is that he is faithful. Could you just say that with me? God is faithful. He is faithful from the beginning to the end. And he promises that he'll see us to the end. I am 66 years old. Isn't that awesome? But here's what happened. I had a, during this period of time, people were asking me to retire. People were saying, Are you, this is the time you're going to retire. And Patty and I both looked at each other and said, this isn't the time to retire. It's the time to refire. And so we just believe that I want to be like Jacob when he was on his staff. It says, as he was dying, he says he leaned on his staff and he worshiped and prophesied over his kids. And I say, if I'm going to go out, that's how I want to go out. I want to go out like like Jacob, and uh, just to be a worshiper. So it's all about the heart. Uh, love looks like something, and the, the greatest thing that love looks like, it looks like Jesus. And I, I think that all of us, if we looked at our lives and we looked at the children, I mean, did you see the video with, the, with, with, the, with the Wee Holly? Didn't you think love looked like something? You know? And when I saw those little arms and legs going, I was thinking, oh boy, just wait till two. <laughs> so anyway, uh, love looks like something, 
And uh, what happened with most of us, you know, if anybody anybody's a believer, we, we have a save from story. We have a save from story. I was a drug user. I overdosed on drugs and Jesus came into my car and rescued me in an instant. His presence filled my car. That's my save from story. And uh, scripture says to, that to, to us not to ever forget that story. You know what happens when we forget our story where we were saved from? We become proud. We become entitled. We become all these things and we, we lose the, the full impact of what we were saved from. Paul said that. He says, hey, don't forget what you were saved from. Why? Because you'll get proud. You'll get religious. And this, guess what happens if you don't remember where you came from and who rescued you? You may even get out of the relationship that you had that brought you out and brought you into something. Make sense? Makes sense. So just for a second, I want you just to think about your saved from story. Just think about it. What, what were you saved from? What was that point in time in your life when you said, Jesus, I need you. Or when was that point in time when you said, Jesus, I need you. Or when was that point in time when you just said, I give up. I give up. See, that's the save from story. But the cool thing about God is, and the great thing about God is he's a redeemer. and He redeems everything. He redeems everything. And then what happens is, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. He says, it's not of works that any man should boast that we, we're saved. It's according to his mercy that he saved us. Remember that verse in Ephesians 2? But then he goes on in verse 10. He goes, then he shifts and he says that you're saved from. Then he begins to point the direction you're saved for. So he says, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, to do something good, good deeds. Good deeds that God has prepared for us. So what's your story? What are you living for? If God has saved you from something, what, are you, what, are you, what has God saved you for? And I've discovered what happens is in, in drifting Christians is they have forgotten two things. They've forgotten drifting Christians, have forgotten what they've been saved from, and secondly, they've lost what they're saved for or maybe ever, never ever discovered what they were saved for. Is that making sense to you guys? And so part of me refiring, I'm saying, God's not finished with me yet. I'm saved for something to pursue him. I'm saved for something to love him. I'm saved for something because he has put gifts and callings and, and invested into my life. And at 66, you know, there, I just thought, you know, there's too much in me to not to stop. There's just too much in me. I can't stop. I've got to keep going. Now, it looks differently than uh, it did when I was, when I was younger. But I think it's so important that we, that we understand that we're saved for something. And my wife, when she was in Scotland, uh, let me show you this picture real quick. Is it okay if I just, is, are you guys okay? Are you getting anything? Okay. <laughs> anyway, I love this picture. A friend of mine drew it last week. I was in Richmond, Kentucky. And a young teenager drew this, this picture. And I just love it because that's who we are. We're just crackpots. You know, you turn to your neighbor and say, hello, crackpot. Hello, you look like a... 
but the thing, and we're all, and I love what Herman Melville said. Uh, he's the writer of Moby Dick. He said this. He said, the Presbyterians and pag pagans alike are sadly cracked about the head and desperately need, needing mending. <laughs> I agree. Pagans and Presbyterians alike, we're cracked about the head and we're in desperate need of mending. Well, these are jars of clay, and every one of us are one of those jars of clay. And the way that the kingdom comes out of our lives is used, sometimes is, is comes out of our lives because of the redemption purposes and, and that God has redeemed in our life. People who have broken marriages and somehow through the grace of God and the goodness of God, they get their marriages restored. Guess who are the best speakers for restored marriages? Those who've had their marriages broken, who've had them restored. My story was a, a drug user uh, story, and so what, what I do is I, I find people who've been in drug abuse, and what I usually do, uh, we have this thing in, in Dayton, Ohio, called Hope Over Heroin. The heroin epidemics just swept through America, but especially in Ohio, and especially in our area. And so we've had like three or four Hope Over Heroines. There's our, the church I'm part of, they have a house where they send people to detox the first week or two so they can come down off of heroin. But over Hope Over Heroin, I go there and I wander the edges. I wander around just talking to people, talking to addicts and everything, or people who are in recovery. And I tell them my story about how Jesus rescued me and how he redeemed my life. And then what I do is I point to these white hairs. And I go, you see these? I made it. And these hairs tell me that if you put your trust in Jesus, you can make it too. Because it's longevity. So anyway, we have this treasure in earth and earth and vessels. And uh, it, it's certainly true. My wife, there's my wife there. Can you see what she does? She's a school teacher. She always wanted to teach school. She came to Scotland, so she was always involved in education, teaching kids at church and all that stuff. But she regretted not having her her degree and she thought she would never be able to teach school in America so we went back to America I, got, I have a job in Cincinnati Ohio and she just says you know uh, my children are getting older so I'm just going to start so she started reading to one child in Ohio Reads she just started reading to one child and from there she found out that there was a really good preschool just down the street from where we lived and so she went there it's one of the best preschools in the area uh, a great, uh, almost Montessori uh, style of teaching and training. So she stayed there. And I knew it was the passion in her heart to be a teacher. So I commuted to work every day, commuted to work every day for two years, just so she could learn, just so she, she could grow. Because I just uh, I found out something. That was her save for story. And so when I realized that that was what she was saved for, I did everything in my heart to help her to be able to do that. She did all the rest. I didn't do very much except drive back and forth. Actually, that's all I did. And loved her and encouraged her and all this stuff. So anyway, she decides, okay, let's move to Kettering, Ohio. And so we went to Kettering, Ohio. That's where she, her and I decided that. And the week we moved to Kettering, Ohio, this school opened up a new literacy enrichment uh, program, okay? And guess who got hired immediately? Patty did. She had no qualifications except a few certificates. And so for the last, get this, for the last 12 years, she has taught in public school. I added it up. You know how many kids she has taught in the last 12 years? And these aren't, these aren't easy kids. So some of them are easy. Most of them are easy. But she has kids 
that are Down syndrome. She has kids who deal with different spectrums of autism. They had a six-year-old that wasn't toilet trained. So that's kind of the stuff she did. But so anyway, she, she's just worked with these children, worked with these children. You know how many, how many children my wife has helped over the last 12 years? 360 children. 360 children. And you know why she helped 360 children? Because she discovered her saved four story and said yes to it. And then she said yes again and said yes again. Two weeks ago, she came home. She goes, I'm so excited. And I said, what happened? She said, well, you know the young guy, and I knew the young guy, a little bitty kid. Her mother's, his mother's in jail. He's a wrestler, okay, at his age. And I was a wrestler in high school, so me and him bumped hands because I told him I wrestled. And I said, how many of you won? I've won them all. <laughs> and I pinned one. I said, oh, that's really great. Bumped hands, really good. But when he came to school, the only thing you could say is I'm not worth anything. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I wonder where he got all those words. He had all those words flying around his head, and Patty's been really working with him and trying to encourage him. And, and you know, and you know, she sneak, she's a sneak sneaker prayer. Just Lord bless him in Jesus' name. Just you know, she's one of those. And so she prays for him and all that stuff. And she said, "This is this is a highlight of of her one of her her, of her years." They were writing uh, paper, and so what they did, they drew their face, and then they says, and then she wrote, I am, and asked them to complete the sentence. These are little bitty kids, so they can do that. I am, and they think, and they write it out. Do you know what the little guy wrote? He wrote, I am valuable. Okay. That is the power of someone pursuing what God had fashioned them for. What's your story? And let me just encourage you that, that what God has given you to pursue may not be in the church. If you're a businessman, what is God challenging you to pursue in your business? If you're a nurse, what is God challenging you to pursue as a nurse? You see, God wants the church to be in society, not removed from society. He wants salt and light right in the place where you're working. A guy came up to me the other day. I work with another church. It's a large African-American church, and I'm the only white guy in the whole church. Okay? I am the, I'm, I'm it, and I'm pretty white. And... Uh, so we have a prayer time, and so people come up to pray, and this guy came up, and I say, hey, man, what are we praying about? He says, man, he says, I've only got two years to go before I retire, and I am so out of it, man. I want to get out of this. I just, I'm bo- I just don't know what I'm doing there. I've got two more years. What am I going to do? Would you just pray for me? And so I said, yeah, man, I'd love to pray for you. Father, I just ask you, my friend here, to help him to see purpose in his work, to see that he's salt and light in his job, that in God, what he has in his heart, nobody else has in this place. Help him to be the best person that when he goes out, he goes out with fire. I mean, I just went for it. And then he looked at me and said, oh, thank you for praying for me. So, <laughs> but you kind of get the drift. You know, all of us, every day is a new day. We just sang a song, it's wonder. But it's even wonder in our jobs. It's even wonder in the mundane. And, and you know, if you, have, if you have a lot of children, one thing I really know that you have is called tiredness. That's what I, I know about that. So, anyway, let's try this again. Love looks like something. You remember those pictures? 
Somebody decided to take lemons and turn them into what? Lemon aid. And so they decided to go to Haiti and, and love on children. And guess what? It wasn't all just church leaders, was it? It was construction workers. It was doctors and nurses. It was all these different people. Love looked like something that created something so kids in Haiti could have a fresh start in life. Isn't that amazing? And I think you guys ought to give yourselves applause. Would you just give yourselves applause for this? Come on. If you're in the church was I, uh, that I'm in now, they say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Is Jesus worth more than that? So anyway, love looks like something. And I'd just like to encourage you just to uh, begin to realize that, that what you have, you're a lover of Jesus. And if you're a lover of Jesus, you will love people. And Jesus was the greatest demonstration of love ever on the planet. And when he said it was finished, it was finished for all of us. And the cool thing about, it's not the cool thing, but one of the greatest things that a lot of Christians don't understand was that the Father's kind intention was being fulfilled through his Son. Everything Jesus did was according to the Father's intention, the kind intention of his will. And when Jesus just about breathed his last, Luke says this, there's something remarkable happened. The veil in the temple from the top to the bottom rent. Do you guys know how thick the veil was? Six inches thick. Six inches thick. They reckon it was like really, really high. High as the ceiling that, that cut off the Holy of Holies. And the Father, when Jesus, just about Luke says, breathed his last, I believe that heaven was looking over. The Father was looking over saying, the intention is happening. I'm going to have access to the people on the planet. And he just got so excited that he just rent the temple from top to bottom. The cool thing is, because of what Jesus did for us, we now have access to the Father. Can everybody say, yeah, that's awesome. We have access to the Father. How? Through the blood, not through anything that we have done, but according to what he has done for us, through his blood, when we come to the Father every day, every time through the blood of Jesus, through what he's done for us, we have bold and confident access into the very throne of God. But have you ever thought about this? Because of the blood, the Father now has access to you. He has access to you. What does that mean? That means that he can do suddenly possibilities and probabilities in your, in your life if you just open up and say, thank you, Father, you have access to me. Come to me. How does he come? Same way that we go to, him, go to the Father. He comes to us through what Jesus did for us. And he delights and wants to do that in our lives. So I would encourage you to to just remember that love looks like something. And uh, that's my, my wonderful dog. He's called uh, He Who Has Ears to Hear, Let Him Hear. That's my, my favorite thing. So the last couple of minutes here, let's see, we got about seven minutes, about seven minutes. What I would like to do is, I want, could I talk to you about some practical ways of hearing God's voice and loving on people? Uh, yesterday, because, you know, uh, I've been doing this a long time and I go to different countries. And, our, and uh, every country has a different way of showing kindness. And one thing my uh, Bible college teacher said this, they, he said this, he says, if, if it works in any culture, it's probably God. And if it doesn't work in any culture, it's probably just American. Probably just American. But serving our way into the hearts of people, really what, what it does, it really does open doors, breaks down barriers, and builds bridges. So yesterday, what I wanted to do is just to see if an act of kindness works. So I came up by myself, and I like coffee, so I went to Nero. 
And so I bought a cup of coffee, and I said, can I have a gift card, please? And they said, yep, have a gift card. And so I said, put $20 pounds on the uh, gift card. So they did. And then I, I looked at the girl, and I said, hey, when people come behind me, just use this card and pay for all their coffee behind me. And, uh, and they looked at me like, really? I said, yeah, just do that. And so yeah, I went over, and I sat down on the long bench, sat on the corner, and I didn't pay any attention, but I just kind of sat there doing some uh, iPhone stuff. And all of a sudden, a guy walks by and goes, hey, mate, thanks very much for the coffee. <laughs> I said, yeah, thanks. I just want to show you kindness today. And then uh, two ladies came by, and they sat down right next to me, two ladies. And uh, we just started talking, you know, why, why would you do something like that? Well, I travel around and I encourage people to be kind. You really, you do. I said, yes, exactly what I do. Then I got to tell her my story. I lived in Dunfermline. Oh, yeah, where did you live? I said, oh, up at Fernie Place. And then we lived out on a farm and way out there. All my kids were born in Scotland. They're made from girders and iron brew. And so she laughed and everything, and then we just started talking and had a really good, good conversation. And I, I, she was asking me what I was going to do the rest of my, my trip. I said, well, I'm going to be at Divine Church tomorrow speaking. And she goes, oh, I have heard of Divine Church. And so we had this lovely little conversation, and guess what? Love looked like something, and it connected. So I'll give you a few tips on how that you can connect with people as well. And then what I have is... Uh, is uh, some uh, bags uh, to give to you for, so you can go out and do the same thing I just did. Anyway, there's four different levels of uh, alert and of awareness, especially when you're doing home defense and stuff like that. So there's, there's unaware, aware, alert, and alarm. That makes sense? I'm, I'm, I can't tell you the story for the sake of time, but SWAT was outside my house in Kettering. And I went home and I unlocked my door. I didn't even have to unlock my door. I just walked in my door because it wasn't locked. And I thought, guess where I'm living? I'm living at number one, unaware. Guess where most people live? Unaware. And so it's really important that we, we move from unaware to be, be aware. So the first clue is practice awareness. You know, Jesus was always aware of what the Father was doing. As he went along his way, most of the miracles happened as Jesus was walking along his way. There were a few in the synagogue and church, but most of what Jesus did was when he was walking along his way, he would, he would become aware of something. It was the Father's voice, and the Father's voice would speak to him, and then Jesus, because he loved his Father, he would respond to what the Father was speaking to him. But if you're not looking for the Father to speak to you, and you're living in an unaware state, guess what? You might not hear the Father speaking. Make sense? This is really deep, folks, okay? This is... This is this is like deep. Number two, practice noticing what's going on around you. What does that mean? Well, Jesus practiced it all the time. He's walking down the road, and all of a sudden, this little wee man, he climbs up into a tree, and Jesus happened to notice him, and I said, wow, there's a guy in a tree. And he was so in tune with the father, I think the father says, why don't you go to his house for dinner? So he says, hey, Zacchaeus. And he probably knew Zacchaeus. I don't think that was a word of knowledge He's because he lived in there. Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And so Zacchaeus was so excited, he got down, and he, he's walking with, can you imagine Zacchaeus? He's, he's saying, I'm walking with the man. I'm walking. He's coming to my house. I'm walking, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm, he's coming to my place to live. And it's interesting that before he even got to his home, Zacchaeus repented. 
He wasn't told he was a sinner. He wasn't told he was anything bad. He was just won by Jesus' friendship. That the power of Jesus is seeing him, noticing him, and saying, hey, 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 come and, and be my friend for, for and give me dinner. Zacchaeus was so moved by what Jesus did, being a friendly, open-hearted person, Zacchaeus turned his life to Jesus. Patty and I, give you this story. Patty and I were going to this festival, and so we're walking up uh, to get some barbecue. We have these tents all over the place, and people are buying barbecue, and so we're walking up there to get some, and we went, literally, we went to every tent. We just went to every tent. And uh, no, nah, not that one. No, not that one. No, 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 I don't like that one. And there was a white one that was up the hill, and so I'm walking up there, and as I'm walking, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He's, see that lady there? And I'm going, oh, see that lady there? So I started thinking in my, internally, there's a lady there. Yes, I see her. Tell her her future is going to be greater than her past. Okay. So I'm going up there. How am I going to do this? There's a line. There's a queue for people to, get there, to, to talk to her. She's really busy. But how am I going to get there? And why did Jesus ask me to speak to her and to say to her, her future's going to be greater than her past. When you want to know those questions, I mean, that's if you're like me. So we're walking up there, and then we, we come up, and I'm looking at her, and I notice she has an earring on. Then all of a sudden, I look down at her ankle. For some reason, she had an arrest monitor on her ankle. In other words, she had been arrested, and she was able to work safely at, at work. They let you do that in America, but you have to wear an arrest monitor so they can monitor your actions. So I walked up to her, and I said, hey, I'd like to have uh, two briskets and all this stuff. And I, uh, I just said to her, I said, hey, I have uh, an encouraging word for you. Could I give it to you? She went, yeah, that would be wonderful. I said, uh, I just want to encourage you that your future is going to be greater than your past. And when I said that to her, she was just like stunned. I said, yeah. I said, I know Jesus, and the reason why I'm telling you this is because Jesus is the Redeemer, and no matter what you've done in your past, your future is greater than your past. And so uh, she was looking at me, and, and she was like, I can't believe you're telling me this. And so then I just decided to grab a hold of her arm. And Patty said, why did you grab a hold of her arm? I said, I don't know. I just grabbed a hold of her arm. <laughs> So anyway, I just grabbed a hold of her arm, and I, be, I looked her right in the eyes, and I just told her, I said, I was a drug user many, many years ago, and what has happened in my life has been remarkable. Jesus changed my past, brought me three kids in my future. He has made my future great, and Jesus can do the same thing for you. And then I just said, come Holy Spirit. And then she said, you're making me cry. And so she's crying, you know, and I'm praying, and, and I just says, Jesus, Jesus just really loves you. And she just, I mean, literally, she went, you have no idea how much I needed this. See, that was water poured out on her soul. How did it happen? I, be, I was aware, and number two, I practiced noticing something, noticing things. Okay? This is deep. Now, if you want a shortcut, Aaron has these for sale outside. They're Jesus glasses, and you can really begin to see like Jesus sees. And they're $19.99, and if you buy them, uh, two pairs will pay shipping and handling, okay, for both of them. Amen. Clue number three. Slow doom. Okay. Have you ever noticed how fast 
you are doing stuff just in the town center? Have you ever noticed how fast life speeds up, especially if you have children? How fast everything is going? And guess what? Jesus wasn't in a hurry. He knew where he was going. He had purpose. He had a kind intention of the Father on his life, and he was going for something. But he wasn't in a hurry to get there. He was just, he was just with the Father. He just, just walked with the Father. They walked everywhere. And guess what? When we, when we choose to slow down on the inside, guess that's when we begin to become aware, and then we're able to notice stuff. But if we're moving at a fast pace, guess what? We don't, we don't get to, to notice anything. I'm in a store. They're very much like Asda. I raced there from my, from my, from my, my house in Kettering. And the reason why I went to Asda was because we were selling our house, and we had an appointment at 4 o'clock, and it was two to about quarter till 3. And I went to my front door, and there was a, a manky rug just sitting in front of the door, and I'm going, they won't buy my house if they see that rug. I have to go buy a rug so they'll buy my house. Doesn't make any sense, does it? So anyway, I threw the old rug away, and so I get in my car, and I drive all the way to Meyer, and I run into Meyer, be like Asda, run into Asda, and all of a sudden, I realized I hadn't been there for a long time. They moved Asda. Everything in the store was moved somewhere else. And so I'm like, oh, no, I've got till 4 o'clock. So I'm running around trying to, to find this, this stupid rug. And all of a sudden, I came to a lady in a wheelchair, and I had a fleeting impression, pray for her. But I was intent on one purpose. It was the rug. And so I ran to the rug area, and I went through all, all the rugs. And, and I, found, I found the rug, the rug that I was going to put down, and they were going to buy my house. And so anyway, I grabbed the rug, put it under my arm, and when I turned around, guess who was right in front of me? The lady in the wheelchair. And so I went, oh, I get it now. I mean, one time I had an impression, but this is ridiculously. So anyway, I, I, I inside, because, because I, it's practice, because you don't achieve this stuff overnight. It's practice. So I went, oh, i got to practice slowing down now. So I went, oh, take a deep breath. And so I said, why are you in the wheelchair? She goes, he makes me get in it. I said, why does he make you get in the wheelchair? I have seizures, and he doesn't like to pick me up when I fall down, and everything happens. And so if I have a seizure, he has to do all this stuff. And so he just figured it out. When he's out with me and we're shopping, he makes me sit in a stupid wheelchair. So I said, well, that's interesting. I said, would, would you mind if I just prayed for you? And she went, yeah, that'd be great. And so I said, can I put my hand on your head? She goes, yeah, that'd be okay. I said, okay. So in as I've got my hand on her head, and I always pray with my eyes open so you can see what's going on. So I'm praying for her, and I'm speaking over her brain. I'm saying, okay, God, and somehow in my eyes, mind's eye, whatever you call it, I saw blue flame, and I said, okay, blue flame is good. All right, Lord, reconnect uh, all the all the things, neurons and everything. And Father, I command epilepsy or anything, seizure stuff to go in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for, for giving her peace and giving her grace. And she's just sitting there. And then all of a sudden, I sense the presence of God come. And I said to her, do you sense that? She said, yes, I sense that. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God. He wants to bless you and encourage you today. And, and I finished praying for her. And then, and then I said, I said, Thank you so much uh, for letting me pray for you. And she said this again, no, sir, thank you for stopping and praying for me. And so I said goodbye. And then I ran home, okay, and I put the rug down, 
right in front of my door. I'm like, victory. I get a phone call. They canceled the appointment. (laughs) So slow down. It's really important. Learn to slow down. And by this, you can practice all this stuff. This isn't rocket science, okay? Clue. Did I turn it off? No, it's working. Okay, push it down to clue number three, the next thing. It may have froze up. I love technology when it works. It's so good. Okay, we'll just move on down. Let me get you to clue uh, number four real quick. You want to play with it? Okay. Clue number four, slow down. This is, uh, oh, here's, here's the thing. Can you write this down? It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. So be prepared, thank you. Be prepared for God prompts. Okay, two more minutes. Be prepared for God prompts. Did you, did you see the God prompt in the first story when I'm walking up to the lady? That was a God prompt. That's a whisper that comes into my heart, and I've learned to practice listening to those whispers. Do you know how you learn if your whispers are right or not? It's by practice. When you go up to someone and you say, hey, by the way, does this make sense to you? And they go, no, doesn't make any sense to me at all. Okay, have a wonderful day. Could I pray for you anyway? That's kind of what I do. But anyway, be prepared for God prompts. Jesus was all the time. And then lastly is respond, radically respond, okay, to what God is prompting you to do. Do you see my little button right there? It says, need a hug. I am a non-hugger. Jim and Haleen could vouch for that. I, I was, I was non-hugger. God began to break that off of me. So I had a dream. This is the, the last point. I had a dream. And in the dream, I woke up and there was this button in my dream. And I had this button on and I went to an arts festival where all the hippies and everybody in Ohio come. And so I got up in the morning and I created the button. I said, Patty, will you go with me? And she goes, sure, this is going to be fun. And so we go to the festival, I'm wearing a big button, and I'm thinking, well, I'll ask people if I can hug them. So when the first person, I said, hey, you need a hug? They said, yeah, I can handle a hug. And so I gave them a hug, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, he says, no, wait till they ask you. And so we go up to this place where they're selling uh, iron trees, anyway, uh, iron trees. And so we go up, it's a little thing, you stick in your garden, it's a tree. And so I walked up, and the lady said to me, she goes, I really need a hug today. And I said, okay, this is going to be fun. And so I saw her husband. I said, hey, how are you doing? I said, this is my lovely wife, Patty, just to make sure everything was cool. There's a, there's a kind of a table there, you know. And so what I decided to do, I said, well, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. You know, go for it. So we leaned over the table, and I'm hugging her. And then the Lord says, don't, don't stop hugging her until love flows. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Don't stop hugging. So it's like, okay, for a non-hugger, three seconds is a long time. Okay, so I'm hugging, you know, I'm hugging her, and all of a sudden I felt love flow. It was the Holy Spirit flowed out of me into her, and she began to weep and began to cry, and I began to say, everything's going to be okay. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. And she just, God's got this. So, I mean, it's like a, an inordinate amount of time. I'm, I'm hugging her, 
And then I stepped back, and she has tears all the way, well, all the way down, her, down her face. I, I, I didn't know what to do, really. I said, well, Jesus really loves you and cares for you. And we grabbed our tree, and we turned around and walked away. But see, you have to radically respond to be willing to, to step out and take a risk. And, and the only reason why I have stories, and the uh, only reason why I have stories is because I've been practicing for a long time. And my challenge is not just to have a story from my past where I met Jesus, but because I'm pursuing him for my save for story, you know, I'm going to have more stories. Because God saves us from our past and he saves us for a purpose. And when we're moving toward his purpose, guess what happens? We begin to enter into his will. So a lot of people pursue God's will, but what they need to do is pursue God's purpose. Because when you step into purpose, guess what happens? It's never, never ending. Okay, let's wrap it up. Thank you all for being very generous with your time. I went over a whole long time. Okay, anyway, see these little bags here? These are really cool little gift bags. There's a few bags of crisp in there. It has a vine uh, sign on the outside of it. There's two bags on the inside, uh, two cards on the inside. And what I would encourage you to do, there's several bags. Just grab a bag or two as a family or as a friend and take it with you this week. And just pray and say, Jesus, where would you like for me to take this bag? It could be to a coffee shop. One of my friends, she puts her bag by the door all the time. And she, she just waits until Jesus prompts her. And so he'll say, take your bag today. So she picks it up and she responds radically. She puts it in her car and she drives around with it until the Lord says, okay, go to the store. So she goes to the store carrying a little bag and then she just waits. And the, and the Lord says, he'll tell her, he'll say, uh, go to cash register number seven. So she'll go down to cash register number seven. She'll put all of her messages on the, on the, on the conveyor. And then what she does, she puts the bag at the back of the conveyor, and the lady gets all the stuff done, and here comes the little bag, and she, the lady says, well, who is this for? And she goes, it's for you. It's for you. I just wanted to bring some kindness and light into your day. And that day when she did that, guess what happened to the lady behind the, the, the counter? Just wept, just burst into tears as soon as she realized that that bag was for her. And my friend was able to pray with her just to encourage her as she went along her way. That's kind of how it works, folks. That really is. It's, I'm going to give you a really brief definition of, of an evangelist, okay? It's really deep, okay? An evangelist is a friendly, open-hearted person. That's what an evangelist is. And the reason why I say that is because Jesus was the most friendly, open-hearted person on the planet. And when we step into being like Jesus, guess what's going to happen? We're going to become friendly and open-hearted people. It's amazing when you just walk up to somebody and just be kind and just have conversations with people with no agenda what God can do. It's amazing. And most people are just looking for someone to, to just to reach out to them. The two ladies that we, we talked to when I told them about kindness, she goes, you know, there's not very much kindness in the world today, you know. I see, yeah, I know. And that's why I'm out spreading kindness, is because God is kind. He has an intention for, for us, his intentions for us, that we will be part of his pur purposes to join, his, join heaven, his kind intention uh, that he has for his planet. And guess what it takes? It takes intentionality. 
It's not when you feel good. It's not when you have it all together. It's just make a plan. Today, I'm going to be kind. I'm staying, I stayed at a host home, and the daughter gave her room up for me, which is really hard. I mean, that was like, that was really hard for me to do. But on her board, she had her goal board. She has goals on her little board. Number one, show kindness to five people this week. That was on her goal board. Show kindness to five people this week. Well, amen. Everybody stand up. We're done. I'm, I've been rabbiting on too much. I hope you all appreciated that a little bit. But uh, I do have three books, and if you'd like to have one, it's just whoever comes up and gets them after, after we pray. That'd be okay? If you could just hold your hands out, if you, you're interested in receiving just a, a, a little bit of a kickstart to step into who, who God wants you to, to be, to pursue your purposes, his purposes and plans, if that's you. Just do that, and we'll pray very briefly. Father, we just ask you now, according to your kind intention, I ask you now to come. We slow down to be found. We slow down to find you. We slow down to be found. We slow down to find you, to find you. So come, Holy Spirit, I thank you for today. I thank you for this family church. Just blow a fresh wind now, Lord, through Divine Fellowship, Divine Church here, Lord. Just blow, Lord, just like breath. We slow down to be found. Slow down to find you. We slow down. Christ in my waking, Christ in my sleeping, Christ in my working, Christ in my playing, Christ in all, all in me. We slow down to be found, slow down. Slow down to be found. We slow down to be found by you. If anybody here just feels like you just need a fresh wind of God, would just raise your hand up over your head, just a fresh, just fresh wind. Very quickly, people around them, just look. Open up your eyes. Keep your hands open, head, hands up. Now just gather around them. Just gather around the ones that have their hands up. 
That means you just got to lose your seat. Just go to him. Now just pray fresh wind. Invite fresh wind of Jesus. Fresh wind's coming right there to you, right on the front, right there. The Holy Spirit's just coming upon you. I just see him. I mean, just a fresh wind. Fresh wind. No more dryness. Just rain. Let the rain fall. Beside me, Christ below me, Christ above me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. We ask you, Jesus, we ask you to encourage our hearts to be intentional, Lord, to lean into you, to lean into your purposes for all of our lives. None of us has the same purpose. All of us are created differently. Help us, Father, to step into your purposes. Help us to be aware. Help us to notice. Help us to respond and help us to flow with you. In Jesus' name. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Wow, wonderful. Let's just, one, one final prayer. Let's just close our eyes. Today, if you want to receive God's kindness and come to Him and to know Him, just repeat this prayer. Lord Jesus, everybody together, nice and loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for dying on the cross that I could be brought home, that I could be forgiven. Please forgive me for all my wrongdoing and come into my life. Make me brand new. I choose to follow you today and make you my master my boss, my senior partner, my Lord, in Jesus' name. My eyes closed if anyone said that prayer for the first time. Just put your hand nice and high. We're not going to pull you down the front. Just uh, got a wee gold bag or a silver bag up in the back table. If you said that prayer, there's a gold bag or a silver bag for you if you said that prayer and wanted no more. Listen, wow. Wasn't that good? God brought Steve here, and that's a message for us. That's a now word. That's a now word, amen.